0: Sideline insights with Rolla. You know how they always say, football unites everybody. Man, I have not felt this excited about football in a really, really, really long time. I mean, I've seen clips on Twitter, TikTok, of when I see people celebrating the recent Nigeria win, the recent Super Eagles win against South Africa. And guys, it's been amazing just because we can all forget our problems for a while and just focus on the beautiful game. Man, football is indeed beautiful. Anyways, welcome to another episode of Sideline Insight. And as usual, I am your host, Roller. I am so, so, so happy, guys. I'm just smiling. I don't even know where to start from. I'm just so happy, man. I'm so happy. I want to say a big thank you to everyone that has been supporting my podcast so far your likes your comments your feedbacks your um retweets reposts, subscribing thank you all so 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 much i do not take any of this love for granted and i was i want to say that we finally surpassed the 1k plays on all four episodes that i have published so far so thank you all for sticking with me from day one Till now, we keep going. I mean, it, it's really amazing to see people just support your craft. Guys, thank you so much. And to my first-time listeners, if you are just listening for the first time, you can still go back to listen to previous episodes. Trust me, they are binge-worthy. And they never, they never get old, trust me. They never get old. So today, I have two amazing football enthusiasts. And we are gonna be doing the Afcon special. I mean, the Afcon has been. This is the best Afcon I have watched in my in my entire twenty years of existence. I mean, this is the best Afcon I have seen so far in my life. And it's just the way everything is just being handled from the media, via every single thing has been so spot on. Anyways, I have here with me today. Tunde, I know if you follow and um, Paul Sports, you will know Tunde very, very well. He's so hilarious, and he's always fighting with me with my Osiman versus Ivan Tony takes. Anyways, Tunde, how are you today? How are you doing?
1: Hi, Rola. Uh, good evening. Good evening. Uh, hi, Rola. Good evening. And um, I'm doing well. I'm fine, thank you. Uh, I don't know. I'm not fighting with you on Osiman. I just always like to correct the narrative on him, which you are one of the people that uh, is always pushing. But yes, I'm 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 very
0: (laughs) thank you so much for joining me on this space. And one the next second person I have with me today is Musa. Musa apparently Musa is not a Nigerian like all of us, so you cannot relate to all the wins, wins, wins we are we have (laughs) been celebrating in Senegalese. Hi Musa, how are you doing?
2: I'm fine. How about yourself?
0: I am great. I am fine. So, guys, let's get into the business of today. So I'm going to go to you, Musa. now. How has the tournament from a Senegalese point of view been for you and in general?
2: Um, so i say for the general um, Afghan, or I guess for French-speaking, it's Khan. Um, it's been a like an ma- amazing tournament. Um, and since I live in the U.S., there's a lot more Americans that have been watching Afghan as, as well. So there's been a lot of questions and a lot of people watching the tournament. So it's it's been very exciting to see more people watching it. Uh, for Senegal coming out so early out of the tournament, it made it kind of a bittersweet um, tournament, to say the least.
0: Thank you so much. So Tunde, how has the tournament been for you so far?
1: best Afcon I've ever watched and uh, up there with one of the best international tournaments I've ever watched. I think only the last World Cup, uh, the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, rivals this in terms of excitement, storylines, narrative, and everything we have just witnessed so far. I think this is generally one of the best international tournaments I've ever seen in my entire life and I've watched quite a few. So it's been fantastic. Even more so the fact that I'm Nigerian, so that helps find our true to the final. Uh, but uh, even it would be from a Nigerian perspective. This tournament has given us everything. We had eighty nine goals in the group stage alone. That was that there are Afghans that did not have eighty five goals. That not so we are from a ghost point of perspective, we saw lots of underdogs. Uh, lots of different storylines Ivory Coast rising from the ruins of you know qualifying from uh, from the group stages as literally the worst team they, they most, most of people know that they finished as 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 one of the four best losers but people don't realize they actually finished fourth on the best loser table and they were four best losers so they were literally the worst team that made it to the knockout round and now they are in the final having knocked out uh you know uh the defending champions shout out to Musa so this, this tournament has, has really you know, re-energised lots of people's love for African football. I've never seen African football followed this keenly and this widely. But yeah, the African is, is a big tournament. It has always been a big tournament and, and whatnot. But uh, the level of interest that this one has been able to generate, I don't think I've ever seen this before. And uh, long may it continue. Totally agree. I'm
0: so glad that you guys, the two of you, highlighted the level of interest this particular tournament has, has, has been so far for everyone. Because even me too, I am not that kind of person that'll say that, oh, am I going to watch AFCON? Because even before the tournaments, I was like, ah, AFCON. Ah. Now I've been watching my Chelsea match, you're nothing know, considering me an AFCON. But to be honest, I don't think I've missed any Nigerian game so far or any key game going into the tournament. So to you, Musana, I'm going to ask, what has been the biggest takeaway from this AFCON 2023 tournament in Côte d'Ivoire?
2: Um, I'll say probably one of the biggest takeaways is probably the, the countries, you know have they expanded the the teams. Like the smaller teams have shown that the AFCON is probably the most unpredictable tournament, even beyond the World Cup where it doesn't matter which team is playing they have a chance to to win it um and also the interest of seeing you know some of those players actually now making all their name from the afghan versus having to to do it in europe or somewhere else there's been a lot Thanks. more question about those players and um The interest has been crazy in the U.S. alone.
0: Thank you so much. So Tunde, what has been your own major highlight of the tournament so far?
2: My major highlight
1: is the way Ghana got knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) It was was genuinely hilarious to be 2 up by the 90th minute, needing a win to advance and then conceding two silly goals in four minutes of any time, it just, they considered the second goal to Mozambique, to a player that literally never scores, when you no don't matter if played, played for Atletico Madrid, or still even plays for Atletico Madrid, he's a left-back that is one of the most defensive players to ever leave, never scores. So, the odds of him scoring, the odds of him scoring the equalising goal, not to save Mozambique, but to knock out Ghana, I did not think, I I, I, I don't think I felt that way in terms of, like, a footballing um experience in a long, long time. I remember specifically... Out that and, and I told I, I you know, that night has probably revived my love for football because, yeah, nowadays, if you know, football generally as a sports journalist, you just take it as I, it's, and, it's as, a <laughs> and as a Chelsea fan, I don't,
0: and as a Chelsea
1: fan, it's more of a job this. yeah. I have to watch games and whatnot, uh, but this particular have gone and that on that night that I reference in particular, uh, the nights or uh, the end of Group B. I think they were group B or they were group C uh, the Ghana and Egypt the Ghana, Mozambique, Egypt Cape Verde, that night was special for me I, I don't think I've ever felt pure joy that way in a long time and uh, I think it re-energized my love for football and that was really what made me yeah I've been covering the AFCON before then I've been watching I uh, pretty much watched every AFCON game but that was the day I decided, okay this AFCON is really really special and uh, it has not let down since then
0: I know. I mean, one of my one of the best days of my life this year was Ghana leaving the tournament. My joy! Ah! God! My joy was I don't know the adjective I used to qualify my joy right now because I am speechless. Anyways, what cannot qualify? I don't know how to put it but you get what I mean. So moving on, I'm going to talk about the most disappointing teams of the tournament so far. And you know, before this AFCON started, I picked Senegal to to, to win the tournament. Or oh, I, I knew that Morocco were not going to like reach like quarterfinals. Actually, had them at group stage exits ex, exits rather exits. But then I did not foresee that Nigeria will be the final. But well, even though I kept saying just to be optimistic, but well, in all seriousness, I actually tipped Senegal to win the AFCON again. So, Musa, to you are the Senegalese, what do you think went wrong?
2: I think what went wrong is that after they scored the first goal, instead of, you know, going in the offensive and trying to go for the second goal, they kind of dropped back and kind of let um, Cote d'Ivoire, you know, com- keep coming back and having so many, let um, uh, chances to score. And, you know, uh, in football, if you keep on giving the, the opponent, you know, five, ten chances to score, one of them is going to go in the net. And this time he just took an error from our goalie to give him a penalty. So, you know, so it was just bound to happen. So I think it's just them dropping back after the first goal where during the group stage, they were, they scored one goal and then they, they were hungry to go get two more. I think that was the biggest drop back that they did and then just let Cote d'Ivoire just wake up and believe in themselves, pretty much that was I mean that you was have my to tell biggest takeaway how, from that game
0: you have to tell me how you felt you have to tell me and my listeners how you felt that day <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I, I was so there's there's two ways that I was looking at it um As the Senegalese standpoint, I was, you know, very sad because the team was out, even though we had so much potentials. But then I was looking at the stats where it was saying, you know, the last five or six AFCON, the champion has never gone past the uh, quarterfinals. So it almost, you know, the logic of African football just made it hurt just a little bit less, knowing that we followed the stats that everyone did. But, um... I think I was quite sad for about a few days. Yeah.
0: Cool. At least you guys don't have any business with Nigerians. If not, we would have, you know, we would have done party. <laughs> so Tunde to you I now. You can celebrate oh. yet. You haven't won it yet. Oh, oh, you don't want to play this <laughs> game, trust me. Uh, hey. You don't have <laughs> to play this game with us. So to you Tunde, which country has been the biggest disappointment at the African Cup of Nations so far and total on Senegal losing out before the quarterfinals?
1: Um, yeah, obviously Senegal uh, jumps out because uh, host Nation, massive favourite, uh, no, defending champions beg your pardon, defending champion, massive favourite uh, to get knocked out in round 16. But when you consider the fact that they lost to the host, who are also quite good as well, it was a game of two African uh, powerhouses, both of them. In fact, I because Coast had won the AFCON twice and Senegal once. So I, I Coast I have a bigger pedigree in Africa, African football and uh, even though Senegal have the upper hand right now and in terms of have a better squad, it was still a fairly evenly matched game so you could have gone either way and it was on penalties so I would not necessarily call them disappointing because they were they were the only African team to win all three group stage games. They came into the round of 16 as the top dog so, and they went out on penalties so I don't consider that a disappointment. Uh, disappointment would be Morocco though. Morocco for their World Cup exploits, for the kind of football that they play, for the kind of talent that they possess, and um, to get knocked out by South Africa like that, I, I, particularly because South Africa are really not that good. Like yes, they are they made it to the semi-finals and they are going to play third place against DR Congo, but South Africa should not be knocking out Morocco, and that's exactly one thing we love about football generally anybody can beat anybody under the right circumstances and let's this AFCON as, as prominent as well. So if you want to say disappointed, there are quite a few. it's been an AFCON of underdogs even though all four semifinalists are previous winners, uh, but still <clears throat> we saw the underdogs make a lot of strides and so so on and so forth. So you can say Ghana, but I don't think I was disappointed. Ghana did not make it out of the you know, round, uh, did not make it mean, out of the group stage. I mean, the last AFCON have, not, in AFCON. have
0: not made out of the group stage in like,
1: two AFCONs in a row, yeah. Back to back, Afcons. they didn't make it out of group stage in, in Cameroon 2021 and now, um, uh, Coast 2023. And on both occasions, they didn't win a single game. So, Ghana are now winless in seven AFCON matches. And in fact, in their last, uh, the last AFCON before this, they lost to Comoros of all teams. So, that would not particularly say I'm disappointed. But Ghana football have been on the slump, uh, for quite a while, they've not won the AFCON since 1982. So, even though know they won for their last win was in 1982.
0: Thank you very, very much for that. So I know that I have so many Ghanaian friends that we've been listening to this, but at least you guys get you have light now, so you can use your lights to qualify. To qualify from the group stages next time. So uh, moving away from the disappointment of the tournament so far Let's talk about Ivory Coast because, yes, I know that we are. We like there's this thing that comes with host nation bias, host nation this, host nation that. I mean, these guys were on the brink of, um, they were on the brink of existing from the tournament in the group stages, guys. Like in the group stages, and thanks to Morocco, I think the Morocco match depending on if they were going to qualify or not. And now they're in the finals. So, can I have a thought on that.
2: I think quite luck also worked on their side, but it looks like the the having a coach swap may have kind of changed the whole dynamic of the team i mean it looks like that was probably the one of those touch points that help them pivot to what they are how they're playing now um yeah it's that's it, it
1: that's it what's played part we all know new manager bounce is a is a common phenomenon in football um Gasset's... uh after they thought they had been knocked out of the Africa Cup of Nations and uh, replacing him, almost uh, getting uh, Everé now, uh, the man who won them the last Afcon in 2015, uh, but uh, they wanted to work out a loan deal with the French Federation uh, to, because he's currently the uh, manager of the French women's national team, so they wanted to get him, you know, just to coach them for this tournament. Uh, but they could not work that out because uh, there is a lot to work out on the financial side, and it just, even though it was, it was in Ivory Coast at the time of the Africa Cup of watching in the group stages I don't know if he's still in Ivory Coast right now um, so they replaced with Emma's Faye and it's somewhat a legend in Ivorian football played in the Premier League for Reading played in France as well uh, for Leo and a couple of other uh, French clubs and uh He's someone that has been in the system of Ivorian football. He coached them from the under-19 ranks up up to the national team level, where he was one of the assistant coaches of uh, Gasset uh, before his firing. So it only made sense that uh, stepped up into that role. And what a baptism of fire it was to coach his first senior game, against the defending champions of Africa, Senegal, and uh, it, 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 against a coach um, in Aliou Cisse who normally should tactically and even speaking pedigree-wise dwarf him. Uh, but uh, he was able to hold his own. Especially with, with uh, Senegal started that game, he was able to hold his own. And he's sort of grown into the tournament. Uh, yes, so new manager bounce aside. There's also the mentality of rising from the ashes it seemed that was previously down and out it seemed that all hopes was lost if i went Coast lost four nil to equator guinea i i i'm not in Coast, but i have i have lots of uh, journalist friends there i got videos and reports of buildings being you know bond, uh, infrastructure being destroyed. There was a massive riot uh, in Abidjan, the capital, and uh, in some other parts of Ivory Coast as well. Not just because of the results, because of of course they thought they were already out by then, but the manner of the result, losing 4-0 to Equatorial Guinea, in front of your own fans in the final group stage game, in a game that the stadium was packed, a game that they had called a public holiday for because they wanted support, uh, they wanted to pack up the stadium, so they called a the public holiday. Schools were closed, and uh, and all of that just to lose four news to Guinea. So the, the 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 country has hit a new low in terms of their football, and the I don't know if to call it a a a, a Second chance of life or whatever under them by Morocco has really revitalized them, and that is what also makes me fearful as a Nigerian going into this final because everything looks like an Ivorian story right now. It looks like the we perfect story, story for Ivory Coast we to be go a guest story. And... Look <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to our own story. We'll get to our own story. But from, from a neutral perspective. Everything is shaping up to an Ivory Coast win, not because they are playing better than Nigeria beating Ivory Coast, even though it was one 0 But from the side of performance, it was rather comprehensive. And um, even in the games they they played subsequently, the game in the quarterfinal game against uh, Mali, they were thoroughly outplayed, and we are so lucky. Mali missed the penalty. They, they played uh, uh, Odilon Kosuno got set off in the 10 minutes of the game, so Ivory Coast played 80 minutes of regulation time. And 30 minutes of extra time with a man down. Mali missed the penalty. Mali missed chance after chance. They ended that game with an exg of three goals, only scored one and lost two one. So every goals have everything is working in their favor in this tournament. Uh, but and again, another thing to be fearful for as a Nigerian is we've got to the seven afcon finals, one, three, lost four. Out of the four we lost, three were to Cameroon. The only one that wasn't to Cameroon was against Algeria. And Algeria were, host, were the host of that particular edition of the African Cup of Nations as well. So, playing the host in the final, <laughs> I don't know about that.
0: So, um, speaking about the finals now, I mean, we have to speak about, about Nigeria. This podcast, this episode will not be complete if we are not going to speak about my beloved country. Going into the tournament, there was a case of people like ranting online, including me. And I'm sure Tunde if you are a monk. About our dear coach Joseph Pacero, and feel like we cannot do anything with this man because of the fact that we actually have struggled in previous matches coming into the tournament. We have we lost our World Cup qualifiers against um Ghana, I wasn't knowing Abuja also. And going into the tournament, we've always been like, I beg, we we know that we have talent, but can the coach do it? And so far, so good. He has been spot on with all his decisions. So Musa, to you now, from a neutral point of view, how has Nigeria been in the tournament so far?
2: Um, as I probably would see, um, Nigeria in probably the different side where um, I haven't. I don't think I've seen the best from Nigeria just yet. Um, and probably I was looking maybe a little bit more to see Osman maybe have a little bit more. Um, impact other than, you know, the one goal and the almost one goal that he scored. Um, I don't know if it's because of the coach tactic or, but I was expecting maybe to see a little bit more of a rich um, play from Nigeria. It may be a little bit more goals. Um, and from what I saw from their game against South Africa, it looks like South Africa was very close to scoring at the very last minute, which will have helped him win the game so it looks like they've been kind of a up and down um nigeria team and not so rich as i've previously watched them play so that's that's probably so, the only yeah. thing that's kind of scares me with um Ivory coast when they're all you know up and ready to play now and they're um, all stakes on their side and they're pretty much playing like you know dead men walking because they were dead at the group stage and now they're expecting that anything is possible.
0: So I'm going to ask you this question now. Um, Between Nigeria and Ivory Coast, who has played the better football at this tournament so far?
2: Um, I think for the group stage, Nigeria played better. But for the the actual uh, knockout stage, I will say that Ivory Coast has played definitely much better and with a little bit more passion in their play since... Um, beating senegal and moving forward so i think um, Aricos has the age um just a tiny more
0: thank you so much um tunde so do you agree with musa there? De
2: know how to limit
1: teams from crazy chances uh, up until the game against Angola and uh, South Africa which were the games so I can say okay, Uwabali was really tested in goal. Uh, in terms of big chances, Nigeria have created the most big chances by far. 21 big chances created. The next best team after that is Morocco who are already out with 14 and then they Kogo with 12. So, the chances, but the, the here comes the issue. Nigeria have also missed the most big chances. 15, and, most and a lot of that I'll put it on Vito's. you That's what I'm saying. A lot of it on I will put it on Vito, Ceman. <laughs> yeah. like I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 not an Ceman fan. I'm just an objective. I'm an objective. Uh, you know. Analyzer of this day, so yes, Ozilman is fantastic. He has been one of the players of the tournament, but he's also been a culprit in terms of missing big chances. And Nigeria have 15 big chances missed out of 21 they've created, so that in itself uh, is, is is a problem. But I think this this stats highlight that you know Nigeria are very good defensively and very good offensively. So, uh, I don't know. When more people say Nigeria are not playing well, they look at it in terms of aesthetics. Uh, so And I, there's no start for aesthetics. I don't think aesthetics is a real is a real metric. I, I think from from real metrics, I, I think Nigeria have been one of the better teams in this tournament and have uh, very much value for the finals that that, that they've qualified for. Doesn't necessarily really mean they'll beat Ivory though? Because, again, like I said, Ivory have pretty much been dominated in in... Four of their six games so far. The only two I would say they played better than their opponents and they are Dia Congo, like I mentioned, and the opening day against uh, Guinea-Bissau, who finished bottom of Group A. So, but uh, we'll see how that goes. The final is a one-off game, Motivations. And uh, but but I, I do agree, with Musa, in the sense that I, because I've played uh, with a lot of passion, but so have Nigeria. To be honest, uh, the team is really moving in a very determined, determined manner. I don't subscribe to the Notion that Nigeria have not played well yeah, against South Africa. It was a pretty even game. Yeah, South Africa played quite well too. But so did Nigeria. Factual chances stop your opponent from scoring. That's the name of the game. And at this tournament so far, nobody has done either of those two as
2: well as Nigeria. Yeah, I think maybe that's one of those differences where um I don't really watch those you know the stats in the SG um that I almost kind of put put that aside and I kind of look you know on the way of playing. And it looks like, you know, Nigeria, even though they have not, you know, got more goals against them, but you could see that, you know, Coast was kind of sitting down and doing the counterattack. And when they had those chances, they made a lot more of those opportunities to score versus what I was seeing from Nigeria.
0: Um, Speaking of, still on you, Musa, right now. Speaking of... Yes. Um... The Ivory Coast versus Nigeria final to be played on Sunday. What's like, like, what do you think is going to be the difference maker for both sides in that game, in that particular game?
2: Um, I think the biggest one, especially for him to make his name, will be Alciman awesome to uh, pretty much be the, you know, the X factor for that game, and to at least score early on and kind of try to. Um, control the pace of the game, because if they were to just you know let Ivory Coast move forward and just wait for the counterattack that's where um, most teams has failed now. So I'm expecting you know Nigeria to move forward and try to score as many goals as possible. Because the longer you you play with Ivory Coast, where if it's you know one zero or tie game, the longer the game goes into um, extra time. The more chances that I put for Aricos to um, prevail.
0: Um, now Musa has elected Osimen as like one of the going to, uh, person that going to be the difference maker in that game. And speaking of Osimen, Osimen has scored just one goal all tournament, and you are already tipping him for Player of the Tournament. Please can you expatiate on that because I totally don't agree that he should be Player of the Tournament. If you are a striker like just scoring just one goal.
1: Yeah, I didn't say the player of the tournament, I said he's been one of the players of the tournament. I didn't say he's the player of the tournament. I don't think he's been Nigeria's best player either. Uh, the player of the tournament, in my opinion, is William Trustekong if Nigeria wins. And uh, if Ivory Coast wins, go uh, for Fana. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, there are a couple of players that are still getting ahead of Osimhen in terms of you know, defensive performance and whatnot. But if you had Looking at the attacker, and ultimately the job of an attacker is to score, the, of a striker is to score. Uh, but uh, certain, certain there have been precedents for everybody agreeing. Like, look at the uh, 2018 World Cup. Olivier Giroud was arguably France's second best player in that tournament, behind only Kylian Mbappe. And uh, everybody knows the impact he had for France in that tournament. And the impact he has still dates on the way France plays. It allows Mbappe to be able to do what he does. He gives Griezmann and all of these other guys a, 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 an outlet, basically. And uh, it was key for them in the 2018 World Cup. It didn't score a single goal. Uh, So a player, a striker, can
2: have a great tournament yeah. without scoring. Yes, there are two scoring. different players. Said, I'm they're two different not players, I'm not Because Giro is more of a holding forward that... Yeah, I allow know, the other forwards to to score versus Osimen is like scoring machine. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. And uh, but uh, and that's what I was going to say. The worrying part of Osimen's uh, tournament so far, it has not been that much of an issue because Nigeria have still been winning games. A lot of it's still down to Osimen's ability to you know pull out an X factor like we saw in South against South Africa winning that penalty against Ivory Coast winning the penalty, scoring the equalizer against uh against Equatorial Guinea, setting up Ademola Lookman against Cameroon is add is ad moment. And one of the reasons I said he's been one of the players of the tournament is whether or not he's scoring, whether or not he comes out of a chance out of a game with big chances missed, it doesn't hide. Is very very active. We are always talking about Osimen after every game. You cannot watch a game and say where is Osimen. You saw him, you most likely saw him create a chance, you most likely saw him win a penalty. You also saw him miss big chances, which is a problem. I've admitted that. But it does a lot of good things for the team that has carried the team so far to the final. And I've highlighted a lot of a lot of those moments. The good news, like I said, to to, to also uh, at uh, that point, uh, I say saying that he doesn't hide. At least the tournament in shots per game, he has is averaging four shots per game at AFCON twenty twenty three right now, the most of any player. So the fact that he's not even scoring, his cumulative XG in this tournament so far is four. So that means at the very least, he should have scored four or five goals. The fact, the fact that he only has one goal is mind boggling. Bear in mind that he has scored three goals that were ruled out already <laughs> this tournament. So is is having a strange. Strangely, good tournament that looks bad on the surface, but if you look at, it, it's having a really good tournament, in fact. And if it just stops missing, uncharacteristically missing this, uh, this easy, uh, and some of them not so easy, but still, there are ch- definitely chances should have come by. It should definitely have more than one goal. Uh, at at the very least, four goals, like his XG numbers suggest. And like Moses said, the final will be the best time to cash in his chips, and you know, really impact the game by goal scoring. He has been impacting the game. He has impacted all six games he has played. But you need him to impact the game directly by goal scoring. Because at the end of the at the end of the tournament in terms of legacy plays, that's what everybody will remember. Nobody will remember you know four shots per game or whatnot. People will remember okay, I've gone 2023, Osiman scored one goal. It does not matter, especially if Nigeria don't win. You you will not be able to convince people five years from now that we'll see men at the great tournament because they will look at the numbers and say he only scored one goal and Nigeria did not win. Actually, so end, how did you have a great, the great the tournament? The so there you still need to just
0: score just one goal, try the tournament. It will be so hard because we live in a world that everybody now they just want to talk about numbers, numbers, numbers. Nobody doing that. eye test again, it's just the numbers and numbers don't lie. Actually,
1: absolutely. Absolutely, I do agree with you, and uh, I think he needs to, you know, find the scoring boots in the final. This is this is particularly strange and Elias, And one of the theories is that it's Afcon Juju, but even though that's just something like that, said there might be some previous it because Osman is known. Before, even before his, his one world-class season with Napoli where he scored 33 goals in all competitions, um, you know, before then yeah, he had scored 14 goals, 17 goals and whatnot, he's known as a player that doesn't get enough chances because he spends a lot of his energy chasing after every ball and is hardly in position to score easy goals. So he's known for converting the few chances that he gets because he doesn't get enough. That's one thing that we knew him for before this tournament. So, and we came into a Nigerian team that uh, lots of people did not expect us to be leading the tournament in chance creation. We Before the tournament, we were bereft of ideas on creating chances, basically. And we started the game against Equatorial Guinea. We could have won that game 7-1. I kid you not, it ended 1-1. And a lot of it down to Victor Semer, who could have and should have scored a trick in that game, but only scored one goal. And then you move on to the game against Ivory Coast. And lots of these chances are chances that he, he normally scores. If you look at his goal catalogue for Napoli, those. That's where it towers over everybody, rises. Jobs over everybody and he just heads into the back of the net. He has gotten like six of those chances at this tournament without the exaggeration. He got two of them against South Africa, it's one I particularly remember in the second half. And it's for whatever reason, he has just lost his compass, doesn't direct his headers on goal enough. And if uh, the, the confidence in terms of finishing is gone, and even when he has managed to put the ball in the back of the net, like I said, he has had three goals ruled out uh, by VAR already this tournament. So it's, I don't know if it's a combination of bad luck and and jazz I don't know but something is definitely happening here.
0: Still speaking on the finals now. Oh. So, I'm going to tell let Musa tell me his prediction for the final score line between Nigeria and Ivory Coast. Score line. Uh, Who is going to win?
2: That's the that's the trick that's that's the tricky one. So I st- I still have Nigeria win. Um but I'm more on like the 70-30% um, Nigeria is going to win it. But um, I see it maybe a 3-1 if Osman wakes up. And as the game goes through, probably my prediction will change depending on what the score is at halftime. Wow. So you're
0: going for a 3-1 win. But for 3-1 Nigeria.
2: is, yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Sunday. what about you?
1: Um, I mean, it's easier for Muna to predict yeah. because it's a neutral. It doesn't have a... It doesn't have a... A also the race. And also, is your prediction <laughs> a bit fueled by revenge? You want no, someone uh, else no, to beat a, no us, you. Maybe? Uh, Maybe. Usually, usually
2: oh. I actually go for the team that, that beats my team because at least you can say the champion beats you. But historical and how things have been going in the Afghan, it's hard to say that, you know, for sure that Avicos is gonna win. Cause Nigeria is gonna be their biggest uh team to play against. And now it's for the final. So pretty much all bets are off when to that stage.
0: So they could I have your predictions now.
1: But, um <sighs> Obviously, I mean, I'm a Nigerian, so I have to go with the Nigerian. I mean, even though I'm uneasy saying it, because it was really a final. Like I said, the, 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 the chips are stacked in Coast's favour at, at this moment in time. They will be playing in front of their own crowd, who will fill up the stadium. Uh, Their national team legends, ZD Drogba, with, with, uh, with a bunny. I heard they are bringing in their three and the rest of these guys to motivate uh, the guys as well. Everything is in their favour. Uh, but I, if there's one thing I know as a Nigerian is that Nigeria knows how to ruin stories. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that uh, ability comes into, into play on Sunday and I'm going with a 2-1 Nigerian win probably next time. I really don't want the penalty shootout. My heart can't take it.
0: So, so the last one, the least talking point, which has been my own biggest highlight so far tournament is the issue of VAR and how it's been operated. At the AFCON so far. I but mean. But
2: what is your, what is, what is your prediction?
0: My prediction? Okay. Ha. Yeah. See, let me not predict. <laughs> Anything that I that is to say to opposite <laughs> is <this> to happen. <laughs> let me not wow, predict. Okay. I, don't to, <laughs> okay. I don't want to jinx my country. <laughs> I don't want to jinx my country. Uh, well, moving on to the VAR aspect now and how, <laughs> It has been operated so far and i know that there's one thing to nearly say on twitter is that vr has never been the problem it is just it is just the people behind the machine operating operating it that are being that are corrupt so musa now i want you to tell me your major takeaway from the old vr officiating the tournament so far the officiating tournament so far generally For
2: mine, i would say that um I was actually quite impressed by the referees in this tournament. You could tell that they were, you know, pretty much took like ownership of the, the flow of the game. Um, there was a few question marks. Um, one of them was the, the whole penalty of against Nigeria. But in, in overall, I would say that the, the referees did well in the VAR also, um, did quite well compared to what we're used to, um, these days. So I pretty much even posted and tweeted a few during games that you know the the referees were not afraid you know to tell the players to back off or I'm um, telling them you know well check the VAR and stop talking. So they they had a lot more authority than what we're accustomed to um, in Europe, definitely. So I definitely will say that their play for most of the tournament was spot on. The Refereeing that the Africa Cup of Nations, you know,
1: enforces my point that VR as a tool is a fantastic initiative. It is VR. It's literally a machine to. It's basically replay. You everybody has replay. You, if you record a video on your phone. You can watch it back. It doesn't need your opinion. It just just to show you what happened. That is what we need VR for, and for the referees to apply it accurately and they've done so and here's my thing i don't want to accuse english referees but i think they over complicate things with too many perspectives there are too many factors in arriving at a decision they look at previous uh, you know, they can decide on a penalty based on who is involved based on the reputation of the player based on you know what had happened in the previous play based on Liverpool had gotten some calls this season because they had a mistake uh, a big VR mistake go against them in the third time game and it seems like VR has now been used to to you know appease them and give them some calls in their favour and all of that is just over complicating the issue that's why we don't see a lot of this in the Champions League as well what is referee the game on a case by case basis forget priors, forget what what this player did. Did he do it? Yes. Red card. Penalty. Did he not do it? No. Red card rescinded. Penalty cancelled. That is literally all you need a referee to do. Don't be the centre. I don't want to... If I watch a game and I know the referee's name, I feel like the referee has done a bad job. You are not part of the game. I did not tune in. I did not tune in to watch you feel doubt or Mike Dane or... Whatever your name is, I do not care. I want to watch the two play, two sets of teams and the two sets of players play against each other. So, absolutely, if the referees do their jobs the way Afcon referees are done, I saw a perspective about this on Twitter that talked about the uh, the referee, the Egyptian referee for the South Africa Nigeria game uh, is a lawyer by profession, and somebody said the reason the officiating at Afcon has been very good is because the referees also have their day jobs, uh, which means refereeing is not all they do. I don't know if that's true, although I see the logic behind that, but I don't know if that's true. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to force the no. European appeals. ones have
2: jobs too.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, so... The, like, Most of them. Like, so just... like, like, yeah, and it's much needed for their profession, but if you can just referee the games, like I said, I reference the Champions League, as well, not just the AFCON, because the referees do not have attachments to these clubs. I'm not accusing the referees of supporting clubs, but they are, the referees in English football are too into English football. They give certain decisions based on so many factors. So, and not necessarily, it might not even necessarily be cheating. It might not even necessarily be incompetence. It is just the referees are too human if there's something like that. Uh, and uh, for, as a referee, you have to detach from the game completely and observe the game on a case-by-case basis, basically.
2: Yeah, be professionals. (laughs) That's pretty much. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, and I can definitely see that point too. Um, and I think we've always said, you know, when when they do a lot of those research and you know, they give you a long-winded explanation into why they made that decision, that's when you start to lose, you know, they're starting to lose their integrity of it. And like you said, you know, we get the name of those referees usually and you can you know their name and you remember the game that they, you know, ref your team. And I can tell you for the AFCON, I don't remember any of the referees' name. All I know is that every time a player was coming towards them, you could see him, you know, give him the hand or give him the look that said, you know, don't start with me. Which you don't really see in at the tournament.
1: With the Malian captain, Mari Chaori, I think that was his name, uh, you know, uh, tried to uh, become violent yep. with the referee. The situation was so very well handled, and we we did not need to communicate. We did not need, you know, Sky Sports to break it down for the next one week. We did not need to hear the thoughts of Devas Galaga
2: and who was wrong or who was right. It was just handled. Yes. I definitely say that those should give, in, give more opportunities for other tournaments like, you know, World Cup and Cup of nations and stuff because they, they've definitely showed that they have the, they know how to handle high stakes situations and players. So now there's no question on why we should not see more African referees going and do more, have more opportunities than they currently have.
0: Absolutely. I think, thank you guys so much for alighting that point. Thank you. So that's a wrap. On our African special, and thank you guys for joining me on this episode. And I pray and I hope that Nigeria will beat Ivory Coast. in find out so that we can always have something to celebrate in our country. I don't want to disgrace my country but another another African. <laughs> my African mate here with the Senegalese. You might not have light, you might not have good leaders or whatnot, but. We're going to bring the couple on Sunday, guys. So, um, thank you, Musa, for joining me. Thank you, Tunde, for taking your time to record this special African episode with me. So, before I round up, I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to just drop your Twitter handles and promote your stuff in case my listeners want to come and drag you properly and want to engage in the discussion. <laughs> Please. So, Tunde, you can go first.
1: All right, uh, guys. Thank you very much for having me, Rolla. My name is Tunde Young. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tunde underscore Young, at Tunde underscore Young, and uh, Tunde Young ninety seven on TikTok, where I've recently become a sports content creator as well. So yeah, those are my socials. Thank you very much for having me. Musa,
0: how about you?
2: I, yeah. Yes, and yes, and for me, it's all uh, M O football in all social platform, which is M-O-F-U-T. T B O L, and you, I cover um, not only the MLS with US soccer, but also Chelsea a little bit, and also France and World Cup. So I cover the the whole range of soccer, and aka football, and I also interview coaches, players, and etc. So um, there's a few new episodes that will be coming up with um, not only English but French and American soccer players in the next few weeks.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, So, guys, you know mine. Mine is koforola underscore A on Twitter and IG. And my podcast page is S-I-W-R underscore on Twitter and on IG. And don't forget, guys, you can always reach out to me. If you have any suggestions, messages, feedbacks, comments, everything, you can mail me on roller at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.